welcome to 13, the bi-weekly podcast where Colgate University community members typically answer 13 questions about their work. I'm your host, Daniel DeVries, and today I have the pleasure of welcoming to the show the Charles A. Dana Professor of Psychological and Brain Sciences, Rebecca Shiner, and two of her former students, Peter Tappadin, uh, class of 2018, and Fanny Moe, class of 2020. Now, a trained clinical psychologist, Shiner's research lies at the intersection of personality, clinical, and developmental psychology. Shiner predominantly focuses on studying personality development in childhood, adolescence, and early childhood, and she's written extensively on the assessment, causes, and consequences of personality disorders in youth. Shiner earned her bachelor's degree from Haverford College and her PhD from the University of Minnesota. And today we are going to deviate from our typical 13-question script so that Professor Shiner and her former students can talk a little bit about their research that was recently published in the Journal of Traumatic Stress, titled Narrating Life in the Military, Links Between Veterans' Narrative Processing of Service Experiences and Their Post-Traumatic Stress Symptoms and Well-Being. So Professor Shiner and Fanny and Peter, welcome to 13. Thanks. Uh, Peter and Fanny, would you mind just talking a little bit about uh, where you are today post-Colgate? And uh, then we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the research. Sure. Uh, I guess I can, I can go first. Uh, so my name is Peter Tappenden. I graduated from Colgate in 2018. Uh, after that, I worked at a VA hospital for three years um, studying uh, PTSD and moral injury in veterans. And now I am actually as of Yesterday, finished with my first semester uh, of graduate school at Northern Illinois University. Congratulations. Uh, Yay. Thank you. So it's a big relief. Um, So yeah, I'm pursuing my PhD in clinical psychology um, here at uh, Northern Illinois. And I'm specifically interested in researching um, broadly risk and resilience factors to PTSD, um, specifically psychosocial risk factors, then also um, moral injury. And Peter, where is your hometown and where do you reside today? Hometown is Ann Arbor, Michigan, uh, and currently living in DeKalb, Illinois, which is where Northern Illinois is uh, located. All right, great. Fan, you want to tell us uh, about yourself? Sure. Um, Hi, everyone. I'm Fan Yi. So I'm originally from Hainan, China, and uh, went to Colgate for college and had a wonderful four-year there with professors like Professor Shiner. And now I'm in Northwestern University in a um, cognitive psychology PhD program. Also just finished my first quarter. And yeah, um, so my research interest now is broadly um, analogy processing as more specifically like how memory works with different types of similarity to help us process um, analogies. Yeah. All right. So tell me a little bit about how this research idea came about. Like, um, Professor Shiner, you typically don't do veteran research, right? That's right. Yeah. So in our department, all of the seniors have to do a senior research project. And it's one of the um, highlights, I think, of our major is that all of the students get experience with designing and carrying out a study. So um, Peter came to me to do his honors project after having spent a summer doing research at a VA hospital in Boston. And he was really interested in studying PTSD. 
a topic I basically knew nothing about. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, but and and so there's always a kind of delicate dance in coming up with students' uh, thesis topics because it's important to have it draw from something the professor knows about while still really helping the student to explore their interests. Um, and I had been developing an interest in something that's called narrative psychology, narrative identity research, uh, but hadn't actually done research on that topic yet. Um, but narrative identity has to do with an aspect of personality um, in which the stories that people tell about their lives um, shape their day-to-day -day experiences, their well-being, hmm. and so on. So um, that we each construct stories to make sense, to make meaning out of our experiences. Um, and the distinctive ways that we do that are really important. Uh, so Peter and I sort of came to a meeting of the minds uh, and came up with the idea of studying narrative identity uh, in a sample of veterans, uh, particularly in relation to PTSD. Interesting. So how did you design the, the research project? Can you talk about that? Maybe Peter or Fanny? Yeah, so as Professor Shiner was talking about initially, um, we were trying to brainstorm different ways uh, that we could kind of join our two research interests, um, mine with uh, PTSD and veterans um, and Professor Shiner's and uh, narrative identity research. Um, obviously coming in, it was kind of a big ask from me to do research in a veteran population um, at, you know, at Colgate, where I think the nearest VA hospital is about an hour away. And even then, VA hospitals are sometimes, um, it's a little bit hard to recruit uh, patient populations if you're a non-VA researcher. Um, so took a little bit of brainstorming. And then uh, I think it was Professor Shiner who suggested uh, Qualtrics, who Colgate has a, uh, a partnership with. Um, and Qualtrics is able to uh, recruit veteran populations. Um, so uh, we ended up going that route, um, being able to uh, design the study, working with Qualtrics uh, in this online format, which was really cool because we weren't limited by geography at all. Um, and we're able to kind of administer these surveys and collect the narratives from, from veterans through this format. So this is a, a national sample of uh, U.S. military veterans. Mm -hmm. And uh, how many folks did you – now, did you interview them or did you just send them a script? Do you want to answer, Peter? Sure. Uh, <laughs> so we um, – every everything was online. So we had um, prompts that we sent out to them. Uh, I think that the link went through email. Uh, it was about – I think our total sample was about – 200 veterans um, and some were excluded for uh, various reasons. So the final study had 154 uh, veterans. Uh, so we didn't uh, interview them face to face, but we were able to prompt them um, with kind of for, for them to write uh, written responses um, where they conveyed their narratives. So we asked them to write two different stories about their experience in the military. Um, the first one, which was really the one that we were most interested in, was we asked them to talk about their most stressful experience that they had had in the military, hmm. um, because those are the kind of experiences that potentially lead to PTSD. We couldn't ask for a trauma narrative per se because of ethical concerns about that, but we, we asked for 
um, a really stressful experience. And a little over half of those involved traumatic experiences of the kind you could imagine in the military, for example, losing um, someone um, that you are working alongside um, or being exposed to violence that's really painful. Um, and then we also asked them to write a narrative about uh, their most significant other experience in the military. And so those were really wide ranging. Some of them were quite positive moments of real pride for the veterans. Um, and then some of them also were about difficult and stressful experiences. Mm. So how do you analyze um, that type of narrative feedback when you when you get the results, you know, when you're when you're collecting these responses from the veterans? You want to take that, Fanny? Sure. Um, so we have um, we rate we basically try to turn the qualitative data into a more quantifiable form of data by rating or assigning scores to certain psychological dimensions of each um, narrative. Um, for example, we rate each narrative in terms of how much personal growth they demonstrate and uh, also other more specific, more socially related psychological dimensions. Yeah, so we, so we developed these coding manuals to, as Fanny mentioned, turn this qualitative data, so the written veteran narratives about their highly stressful and significant service events into quantitative data, so um, numerical scoring um, for different dimensions. So as Fanny mentioned, one of the dimensions that we looked at was uh, growth. So uh, did the veterans emphasize some form of personal growth, whether that was some sort of self-insight from the event, some sort of uh, personal enhancement from the event, um, and we gave those a score of zero um, if it was kind of they, they indicated that became they became worse because of the event ranging to four, um, which would be if they indicated a specific aspect of personal growth. Um, and then some of the other dimensions that we looked at um, were agency. Uh, so did the veteran convey having some sort of control over the event, some sort of mastery during the event? Um, and we also looked at the overall affective tone of the narrative. Uh, so uh, the, the, the level of emotions conveyed in the narrative, was it largely uh, negative uh, uh, versus was it largely positive? Um, and then a, another aspect that we looked at was communion. Uh, did the veterans convey um, either the desire for or achievement of um, kind of relationships or or personal connections with others um, within the narrative that they wrote about each event. Were, were these veterans that had already um, been self-identified as um, someone who has struggled with post-traumatic stress, or are these is this just a random sample of veterans in general? It was a random sample. We wanted to get the kind of the full range of symptoms of PTSD because this is the first study that has looked at narrative identity of this type in a veteran sample. So it turned out that it was only about 17% of the participants who were reporting PTSD symptoms that would be in a clinical range that might qualify them for PTSD. Um, but it is really important to sort of get a sense of, of broadly um, from low levels of PTSD symptoms to high levels, what aspects of storytelling are related to those levels of symptoms. Hmm. 
So what did you find? So we found <laughs> that um, veterans who emphasized um, the personal growth that I mentioned, so um, narratives that uh, highlighted, as I mentioned, some sort of self-insight, some sort of self-enhancement, self-improvement from the event. Um, so I guess just broadly, they got better in some way because of the event. Um, they were less likely to have symptoms of post-traumatic stress, uh, less likely to have symptoms of depression and anxiety. They had lower overall functional impairment um, and they had uh, higher overall well-being. And also this was specifically for the highly stressful narratives. So there's something about conveying personal growth in these highly stressful narratives specifically rather than the just important and significant in some way narratives uh, that's associated with these better uh, mental health uh, and functioning outcomes. We also found that uh, conveying uh, a sense of agency. So the veterans who conveyed having some sort of control over this stressful event um, in their narrative were less likely to have um, symptoms of post-traumatic stress, uh, also depression and anxiety they had lower levels of, and then um, lower functional impairment as well. So those two dimensions really turned out to be the important ones. Um, it really shows that there's something important about the way that people make meaning out of their experiences. So even very difficult, very painful experiences, when people are able to somehow make meaning out of them and to see themselves as being able to exert some control, as being able to find something that is positive, something, some way that they've grown out of those really painful, difficult experiences, that that seems to be what's especially important hmm. um, for how they are doing later. How strong were the results like in that direction? Like how much uh, or how many um, respondents kind of fell into that category? Yeah, we were looking at it just in terms of the association between um, these different aspects of the narratives and then the levels of the PTSD symptoms that they were re reporting. Um, so in terms of just how big the effect was, um, that's something psychologists are obsessed with right now is because we really want to understand like how large is the relationship between two things. Um, they were in the kind of what we might call modest to moderate uh, range, which is pretty typical for a psychological study. So, um, so there is a significant relationship, but certainly not a perfect one between the the way that they tell their stories and the way that they are kind of going through life many years later. Nice. What would be the next step? Like, if does this um, lead you down another path of research that you you want to look into, or does this just add to the body of PTSD, um, you know, studies? Um, I guess, or and what would you like to see, um, or what do you hope this leads to? Mm -hmm. I, I personally, I I cannot do this research because I don't have access to a veteran population. But my hope is that it will inspire people who are studying PTSD to look at the life narratives in um, veterans who have been diagnosed formally with PTSD to see if these same characteristics hold up in that sample. And I also think it would be really useful um, to look at whether the way that people tell their stories um, is relevant to PTSD for people who have experienced other kinds of traumas 
in addition to um, military experience traumas, because obviously there's a huge range of traumatic experiences that people encounter, um, including abuse. Um, and so I think there, too, it would be really good to know more about whether um, the way that people tell their stories is related to how they are doing later. Do you think that could influence treatment in some way? I, I definitely do. Um, the existing treatments for PTSD do often focus on helping people to stop avoiding their memories of traumatic experiences. And they do help people to develop new ways of thinking about those experiences. But I think that the addition of um, focusing on the narratives and the meaning making that people do and that we all do very naturally about the painful things that we've experienced, I think that that kind of focus um, could be really powerful for therapy. If you think about what therapy is, therapy really is a narrative process. You are telling the story of your life and you're telling it multiple times um, in multiple different ways. Uh, and so I think that recognizing that meaning in narratives um, is so crucial is, is a really important element that could be added to treatment specifically on PTSD, helping people figure out more positive ways of narrating their experiences. Um, we, we mentioned in, in the paper that there have been some studies that find that when people narrate their painful experiences in a positive way, but where they don't acknowledge growth that they've experienced, that that does not seem to be helpful. Mm. So it's really not a matter of just trying to put a happy spin on bad things that you've experienced. That really doesn't, um, that doesn't help. It's not genuine processing of those traumatic experiences. Um, but if people can find some way that they have grown as a person, some way that they've gained some mastery and control over their lives through the course of therapy, I think that has the potential to be really powerful and important. And Peter and Fenya, you were both co-authors um, on this. And Peter, I think you're lead author, right? Um, have you been published at Colgate before? Is this the first time? Yeah, so this was definitely the first time for me to publish a paper. And I'm really thankful that Peter and Professor Shiner were willing to took me as one of their uh, co-authors. And because um, first I was, I came in as a research assistant for the project and then just kind of uh, follow through the process. And it was really exciting, but also at the same time, I can feel that it's a long process when you have to go back and forth with very detailed things in um, the manuscript and then really communicate with um, your collaborators and also the editors and reviewers. So it's a lot more complicated and um, long process than I thought it would be. But I felt really good about it. I mean, in the sense that it was really, really fun for me to get to walk through this process with Peter and Fanny in terms of uh, just the whole process of reading the reviews, thinking through the feedback that we've gotten, um, and then really being um, just thorough uh, in responding to that feedback, really making the paper the best that we could. I, I felt really, it was great fun for me to get to do that together as a team. 
And how about you, Peter? Yeah, this is my first first ever publication. Um, so as you know, as has been mentioned, it was just an incredible experience just being able to see the project from the, the brainstorming phase coming into my senior year to, you know, collecting data and working with Qualtrics and then uh, actually doing the coding, um, which was me, uh, Fanny, and then also uh, Cho, who I think was class of 2019. She was one of the research assistants who helped with, uh, with, with coding the narratives, which as you uh, might imagine, uh, was uh, a pretty painstaking process, um, looking through each narrative, coding for each themes, but also um, a very, a very exciting and fun process. And I feel like I kind of got to know almost these veterans personally through the, through the coding process, just getting to know that uh, their their narratives um, so well. But yeah, and then after that period, kind of initially just writing up my honors thesis and presenting on that, but then in addition to be able to write it up for actually a, a you know, actual publications, just incredible experience. Nice. Is there anything else you want folks to know about the research? I think, I, I guess just kind of generally, I, I think that what makes PTSD such a, such a fascinating disorder is that while everybody who has PTSD um, was exposed to some form of traumatic event, uh, a minority of people who have exposure to traumatic events will actually develop PTSD. Um, and, and I think it underscores how important it is to focus on markers of, of risk and, and resilience to the disorder. Um, so I, I just think that this research is important because it kind of highlights just one of these mechanisms that may promote resilience to the disorder and, and a mechanism that can kind of be, as Professor Steiner talked about, um, Kind of worked on in the context of therapy, you know, how people reflect back on these events and the, the meaning that they're able to make from these events. Um, so, uh, yeah, I guess just just a piece about that and how I think it's it's exciting to be able to find um, kind of tangible aspects that can be, um, you know, worked on and improved upon and kind of help people work on making meaning from their traumatic events. Nice. And I guess lastly, uh, any curveballs along the way? Were there, uh, you know, bumps in the road that you had to overcome, and and what did you do? I think Peter could take that. Yeah, I think probably the biggest curveball has just came in in terms of our, our coding processes and um, getting onto the same page of, of, about you know, what scores we would give for certain narratives. Some of them were, you know, very clear in terms of what scores you'd give them, but sometimes it was a little bit more ambiguous. Um, for example, a score of two for growth uh, was kind of more vague growth conveyed in the narrative, whereas a score of three was a specific aspect of growth in the narrative. Um, so sometimes it's it's a little, it's the, the edges are a little bit blurred with regards to whether you give it a two or a three. So I think, some of the curveballs just came in the form of, you know, uh, Fanny, Cho, and I kind of establishing this uh, inter-rater reliability and getting on the same page about, you know, what would get a two versus what would get a three. Um, and I, I think it was a very exciting and fun process and um, kind of helped us work on, you know, collaborating um, towards this end, but also also so sometimes uh, involves some hair pulling, trying to, <laughs> trying to establish this concordance. I, guess. I, I would add too that it was, it took a little bit of work to figure out how to ask the, the veterans 
for their narratives in order for them to produce enough material for us to be able to actually use it and to acquire actual stories from them. So we were able to run some trial participants first using particular directions about the kind of stories we wanted them to tell. And they produced some stories that were just too short, really not stories at all right? Just a sentence or mm. so. Um, so we had to sort of fiddle around with that and uh, try explaining in more detail what we wanted from our participants. Um, but with a little bit of, of tweaking, we were able to actually get them to, to share some pretty significant stories with us. Were there any special findings or I don't know if the sample was big enough, but demographically, were there any um you know, segments that stood out? Or was it just, you know, because of the sample size, you're just focused on veterans in general? But was there any gender differences, race, right. things like that? The the sample mirrored um, the actual um, veteran population that we were drawing from in that it was uh, over 80% men. So we couldn't look at, um, we couldn't look at, at sex differences there. Um, and the sample was somewhat less racially diverse um, than the military as a whole, so so somewhat more white. Um, and so for that reason, too, we weren't really able to, to pull groups apart separately. Um, I do think that that would be interesting to look at because there is some interesting research on differences and how people from different demographic groups do tend to narrate their stories. Mm. Um, but that would be a good thing for somebody else to follow up on. Part two. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, Peter and Fanny and, and uh, Professor Shiner, thank you so much for joining the show today. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. It was really fun to get to revisit the whole research process together. Very cool. And I think it's very interesting research. And best of luck, um, Peter and Fanny, with your studies. Um, and yeah, I am so proud of them. So, yeah, it's very satisfying for me to see them both in doctoral programs right now. And, um, yeah, it's just it's satisfying to be able to, to get to share that with the broader Colgate community. And that was 13. Tell your friends and family about the podcast. If you have any questions about the research uh, discussed here today, feel free to email 13 at colgate.edu. That's 13 the number. And until next time, keep asking questions. 13 is a production of the Colgate University Office of University Communications. Executive Producer, Vice President for Communications, Laura Jack. Audio engineering by Brian Ness. Logo art by Catrail Pritz. Research assistance provided by Colgate sophomore and media relations intern, Marianne Lemon. And I am your host and producer, Dan DeVries. Visit colgatemagazine.com and colgateresearchmagazine.com for more in-depth university news and research stories.